We can't wrap it up, but let's try just in a few minutes to prayer. say some things about prayer that's meaningful. This is our fourth week. Last week in the Requiem for Orlando, I thought it was an exquisite picture of what prayer is. So um, what do we want to say? You and I met this week and kind of went over the sermon such as it is and said there are just four or five salient points that we wanted to make quickly to the folk. Well, I think we want to speak specifically on the power of words. Um, I think when we've heard from you, from many of you, if you're thinking we're dismissing with prayer, we're not. Um, and we're never telling you, obviously, let me always remind you, we're never telling you what to think or how to feel or what you should believe. But for he and I, as we've reframed this, something we're not getting rid of are the words. I think there's beauty in words that we speak. And so many of us have grown up in this tradition where you say these, our prayers are our words. They are our crying out to God. They are our finding and searching for where God is and all these things, all that we want to reframe for you um, passionately is that God is not far from us. I think the way that we've prayed in years gone by, I mean, anthropologically, humans have been developing this view of God and spirituality for thousands of years. And I think we still have vestiges in our religious rites that indicate some things that we really don't feel in our heart. And I think one of the things about prayer that's bothered a lot of people intuitively for hundreds of years, but specifically it's coming to a head in the church in the last few centuries, and uh, these things first really began to be spoken about by the Catholic mystics who just spent time alone uh, with themselves and with God in small communities. But that is, we, we really have been intimating that, that the way prayer works is we have to talk God into doing something. God's this great celestial satellite in the sky, and if we beam up the proper information to that satellite, then the satellite can then beam it on to the right person. And that's something about prayer that we really don't want to foster. Uh, I was with Kat Gravitt, uh, one of our young ladies here in the church. Kat's an incredible, a lot of you know Kat from around town, and she's a great songwriter through the years. She's having brain surgery this morning. She had it, it went well. We're still waiting for a couple of days on the biopsy reports, and so that's scary whether it's benign or malignant. But um, this morning, just being with Kat, when I leaned over and put my head up against her, she and I have been dear friends for a long time, I had no sense that I needed to say anything to talk God into doing something for this person that God certainly loves more than I do. I have no sense that God needs cajoled, leveraged, reminded in any way to do something for her. Um, so that's one of the things that we're trying to get away from. And yet, I spoke words to her. And I, I think what Mel's, Mel's going to read something here in a minute about words of affirmation that's really powerful. But I think words are incredibly powerful. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that Word was the Word that was spoken, not just verbally, but there's more to a Word than what's spoken. There is a life behind the Word, and that certainly was the way Jesus lived. But the Word spoke, and the Word was creative. I, I do think that everything is energy and spiritual energy and nothing ever dies and our words are incredibly powerful and when you look at the ministry of Jesus, Jesus didn't really pray for people that they might be healed as much as Jesus spoke healing. Jesus didn't go up to somebody and say to their sickness, hold on just a second and then begin talking to someone in the sky. Jesus spoke powerful words, healing words. 
And I do believe that there was a transfusion that took place out of him, not through the satellite, but out of him into the person. Luke 6.19 says there was a big crowd around Jesus, a crowd like this, and they were thronging him that day. And as they were thronging him, he just abruptly stopped. It was really curious, even to his disciples. He abruptly stopped, and he's, he's in the middle of this crowd. Now, think about this, shoulder to shoulder with hundreds of people. And it's like he gets hit by electricity. He stops and says, somebody touched me. And his disciples, thinking that he was making himself a fool, said, Lord, of course somebody touched you. You're in a crowd of people. And he said, you don't understand, somebody touched me, and I know they touched me because virtue went out of me, is the King James on this. The Greek word that the writers used was dunamis. Jesus said, I literally felt something leave my body. It went out of me, and it went into whoever this was. It was a transfusion. And finally, he turned around and said, who was it? And this woman who had had an issue of blood for years and years and years and had spent all of her money on doctors, and she finally came to Jesus. And wrestling with the crowd, she didn't have the strength for it. And in the end, in the desperate attempt, she literally fell on her face and reached out and caught the hem of his garment. Think about that. Stunning. And she grabs a hold of the hem of his garment. And Jesus feels more than a tug on his robe. He feels a tug in his soul. And, and he said, your faith has made you heal. Your faith has created this transfusion. Interestingly, that word dunamis, it's the same word. A lot of you know this. You've heard this growing up in Sunday school. It's the same word that Jesus used in Acts 1.8 right before he ascended into the heavens and he was telling us to go to Jerusalem and wait for the fullness of the Spirit in our life. Jesus said, you shall receive power. You shall receive dunamis. Same word. Same thing that went out of him. He said, you're going to receive that after the Holy Spirit falls on you. No wonder in Acts 3, when Peter and John went to the temple, there was a guy there begging for alms. And Peter and John, typical poor preacher, they looked at the guy and said, we don't have any money. But listen to this. But such as we have we give to you. I'm telling you, all this stuff has been in our book for hundreds of years. Such, they didn't even look at the guy and say, we're gonna pray for you to God. And they have to. Paul said, if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, what are you doing looking in the heavens? Just release it. Let it flow. Let the transfusion take place. And they, I love what they said. We don't have silver and gold, but such as we do have, we give it to you. And they spoke words of affirmation and healing to that man, and immediately he rose up, went into the temple rejoicing. So that, I think, is, is the power of words. And I don't think the power of words, I think God has infused God's presence into our words, the breath of God into our words, and we just need to get away from this idea that we're talking God into doing something. Right, so I think if we back up for a second and think about what we've talked about the last four weeks, prayer for us personally is first then recognizing the God that is in us, this love, this energy that is in us, so it becomes 
our part to become aware of that. And there's plenty of practices that we can do, meditations and these things, for you and I to become aware of this presence and this flow and to tap into this river. And then prayer also becomes a response to that. And the response then is with our actions, with the touch he just talked about. I think about yesterday, every one of you and so many of our moms that were out there hugging, that was a prayer thing. When you literally can recognize the God that is in you and the power that is in you, and then you choose to touch another human being with intentionality, there is a power then that is moving through you into them. And people, we saw it over and over and over yesterday. That's why so often we'll have people come down then to the altar, so to speak, and we want to lay hands on them. It is simply saying we are pouring everything we have into you. We are touching you with intentionality. So one of our responses then, prayerful responses, is in action. But the other one is with our words, and words matter. And I think it's for us to recognize that our words and our action can cause either the flourishing of another human life or the deterioration of another human soul. And so what he just spoke about, how Jesus says, greater works than these will you do, it's for us to recognize then that we have this ability and this power within us to either aid and to, to aid in their flourishing or to lessen someone's life. And so we can either contribute to someone or take away. Proverbs 18.21 says this, words kill Words give life. They're either poison or they're fruit. You choose. You choose. And then if you look again at James uh, 3, it says, you're talking about prayer again, the words and the power in our prayer. James 3 says, a bit in the mouth of the horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on one huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or a wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do just that. By our speech, we can ruin the world. Oh, think about that man shout, uh, shouting over that megaphone yesterday. With our speech, we can ruin the world. We can turn harmony into chaos. We can throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it, smoke right from the pit of hell. And this is scary because you can tame a tiger, but you can't often tame a tongue. It's never been done, he says. The tongue runs wild, a wanton killer. With our tongues, we bless God. And with the same tongue, we curse the very men and women he made in his image. Curses and blessings come out of the same mouth. So as followers of Jesus, then we are called to hold this power inside of us and to choose to be healers and to choose to be reconcilers. One of my favorite books that I've read over the past um, probably seven years is a book by Samir Salmanovic called It's Really All About God. And in it, he says, I have come to think of God's perceived absence in this world as God's sign of a faith, of God's faith in us. That's good. God's perceived absence in this world, then, it's a sign of God's faith in us, that God believes in us, and that we too should have faith in each other. So prayer, then, is collaborative. It's us choosing, then, to work with God's spirit, um, that God, and recognizing that God has set up this whole world in which you and I get to be co-creators, 
co-creators of love and of life. That's why it talks about God's spirit bears witness with our spirit, Romans 8, 15, that we have this profound collaboration with God's divine spirit and our human spirit inside each and every one of us. And so then when we recognize that God is this God of distributive justice, that doesn't just mean that God um, is going to have a world that's fair and just and equitable among all creation. That is one call of it. But also that God then offers and grants and distributes God's spirit, God's own identity, and God's character equitably and justly to all of us. And when we see that, when you see your own power, and your own divinity, the own image of God in you, then you can begin to see it in others and choose to call it forth. Um, also, another way that we pray specifically that I've learned in my own life is to speak these words that of affirmation, these words of blessing. And blessing means to hallow something. It means to hold something in reverence, to ask God's favor upon or to recognize God's favor upon, to feel grateful to. And if you look um, at Jesus' words in John 7, we're okay on time. We're going to hurry. Uh, on John, John 7, he said, on the last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and shouted, if you are thirsty, come to me and drink. Have faith in me, and you will have this life-giving water flowing from deep inside of you, just as the scriptures say. So you and I, this power that is inside of us, it is this life-giving, never-ending fountain. And I think about that, that old song that you probably sang at your church, Pentecostal church, is mm -hmm. that... There is a river oh. that flows. <laughs> felt it. That flows from deep within, and there is a fountain that frees the soul from sin. So come to this water. There is a vast supply. And there is a river that never shall run dry. Yes, right? So this is in us. This is this beautiful, life-giving river that we're called to tap into. That's the first part of prayer. And then we're called to pour out. Um, I think about two in Job. Oh, I love this. I think you said this years ago. But Job eleven seventeen says, thy days. It's speaking to us. This is New King James Version, which is sometimes so beautiful. It says, thy days shall be clearer than the noonday. Thou shalt shine forth. Thou shalt be as the morning. You and I, we have this call then that we can be this perpetual morning. And what does morning represent for us? It represents a freshness and an openness, a gratitude. It represents inspiration and newness and expectation of good and of a beginning and threshold. And that is what you and I then are called to represent in this world. See, it's not just for us. Again, it starts off with being personal and then we turn it outward as we go into our day. And so I just think about how we choose then to use prayer as speaking blessings over one another, as speaking affirmations over one another. I think about how powerful it is when any time that um, you, for personally, whenever you brought me up on the stage and something's happening and you choose to stop and speak words over me, that there is a power in that. And so then it speaks deep into my spirit. And so I think that we don't do that enough around here. I think often we see each other and we say hi and we give hugs and we mean it. But sometimes we need to stop people and look them directly in the eye and say, you matter. You, I see you. Oh, this beautiful thing that we did with these 
um, what are they called? Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Sis and that's crazy, but it's so good, y'all. It's so good. They have all this makeup and they have crazy get-ups, and yet they said, take out this mirror. They handed out mirrors, and they said, look in that mirror and say, I see you. And then turn that around, and we are supposed to be that for other people to say, look, I see you, and you are good. You are good, and I am with you. And I so, see you, and I love you. I love you. Mm. There's something about that. So there's power in touch. There's power in words. And I think that's what prayer is for us. That's what we're called to. I think we ought to practice it. And I think we were thinking about bringing somebody. I think we ought to have somebody stand in proxy for Kat. Let me tell you about Kat. What I was mentioning her a while ago. Kat Gravitt. Great lady. Been a part of our church from the get-go. About a year ago, um, she began the process of adopting a child. She's a single mom. She adopted a little guy from uh, Oklahoma, went through a lot. Uh, he, his family was Native American, so there was a lot of legal stuff. She almost lost him a couple times, but now she's got him fully and, and she's been raising him. But in the last year, she's begun noticing and all the friends around her, like Abby and Leanne, and Leanne even told me this week before all this happened, she said, something's wrong with Kat. She started shuffling, her gait was off, um, she started forgetting things and just wasn't the sharp cat that we knew. Interestingly, she started feeling, saying that in her spiritual life, she felt no sense of connection. And Friday, at the behest of all of us, her friends, she went in for a, Barb, she went in, she's friends with Barbara and Steve, she went in for an MRI, left there, went to get her nails done. They called her at nail place or hair salon and said, get to the hospital right now. That was Friday. Um, way down in the center of her brain, uh, the particular area, I can't remember exactly, but uh, this particular area, neurosurgeon told me today, is the area where we really experience our spirituality. And that area has a tumor. And it's not only affecting her gait, but she has no sense of connectedness to the other, the holy other. Um, that doesn't bother me that there's a part of our brain because I don't think we have a spirit. I think this is spirit. And I think our brains have areas that really tap in and do the spiritual work for us. So that, it's been a whirlwind and the doctor walked in there this morning. I was a healer there. I feel like a healer. Uh, that's what I am as uh, a human being, not just as a pastor, but I was there and I joined. There was a chiropractor there. Chiropractors heal with their hands. Medical doctors heal with medicine. Um, we're all simply trying to tap into the capacities that are already in the body. I do not believe that Jesus operated supernaturally. I believe Jesus operated fully naturally. We have been keeping ourselves out of the fray and below our capacity for years saying Jesus was not natural. The whole point of Jesus was he was natural. He was trying to show us the incredible capacity in these bodies that were created in the image of God that we have yet to tap into. But as we continue to grow into the fullness of Christ or the Christ consciousness, that's where we're going. We're finding the psychological sciences. Paul didn't even exist 150 years ago. We're learning some things. Barbara is a healer with EMDR. We're learning that the brain and the ocular movement of the eyes are so connected that we can tap into spots in the brain where people have been wounded and hold trauma. I've been doing it. It's called brain spotting, and it's, it's phenomenal. These things God knew a long time ago, all we're doing. When I say it's a transfusion, that's probably not even right. I'm really not giving you anything I've got as much as what I'm giving you is faith to recognize you already got every bit of it inside of you. 
And so I was there in the room this morning with Kat, and one of her friends uh, was there, and we were talking about this. The doctor came in, he said, this is not good. This tumor, I can't get to it, I can't operate on it, but I'm going to go through the top of your head, and I'm going to try to drill a hole through it so the spinal fluid can continue to flow, and then I'm going to try to get a piece of it so we can do a biopsy. Really scary stuff. And after he leaves the room, a famous neurosurgeon, award-winning neurosurgeon from uh, San Diego calls because one of Kat's friend, Kai Fleming, knows an intuitive, a friend of hers. We used, in the Pentecostal world, we called that the gift of discernment, but she knows an intuitive and called her and said, my friend needs prayer. This is who she is. This is what's happening. And this intuitive person said, I have a friend who's a neurosurgeon in San Diego. And this guy, award-winning, brilliant neurosurgeon, he's calling Kat this morning to pray with her. Because his name, David Levy, he's not just an award-winning neurosurgeon. He wrote a book called Gray Matter. Subtitle of Gray Matter is A Neurosurgeon Discovers the Power of Prayer One Patient at a Time. And his work of healing with his hands and his medical skills and the words of his mouth and affirmation, all we're doing is diving down into that person trying to actualize what is already there. And so I'll just close this way, and I think we ought to bring somebody up, stand them there, let them stand in proxy for Cat, and let's practice this together. But Cat said, would you pray for me? And I said, of course. And this is what I do now. I just got down, and I put my forehead against her forehead, and soul to soul with my friend. Right after she got off the FaceTime with her 15-month-old baby, knowing that she might not make it to the surgery, knowing the surgery might not be good, knowing that it might be malignant, and I watched her with that baby, and they just kept kissing the phone. She hung up the phone and said, pray. I felt no sense, Paul, of saying, oh, God, would you please? Because I felt the tears, the pathos, the love of God. Surely I don't have to talk God into loving her more than I do. I put my forehead against hers, and the first words, out of, all I knew to say was, thank you. Thank you. And it felt, it felt that feeling that Jesus had when he said something went out of me. There was this, I think I could have pulled my head away and felt a magnetic field between us. And I said, thank you. And all I knew to say, and it felt so right, was, you are the body of Christ. How much more powerful can, how much more power can there be than the body of Christ? Body of Christ, body that walks on water, body that raises the dead, body that speaks the word. This is the body. Know ye not that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you all around that tumor? And as I simply spoke those words of affirmation, she said to me, she said, I, she whispered to me, she said, it feels like every cell in my body started vibrating. I'm telling you, the world is groaning and vibrating and we have yet to fully tap into the beauty and the genius and the brilliance and the power of how God created us. Now, what happens if the report doesn't come back good? I am in no way saying that 
every time we do these things, the body repairs itself. I'm in no way saying that. I think our lives are so much bigger and robust. The length of our life is so much bigger than this life in this one frame. And the way we frame that, I think, is beyond us. But I am finding peace and just not praying to Jesus as much as following Jesus and actualizing what he has already invested in us. Could we as a congregation right now, she just got out of surgery. The intuitive friend said three o'clock this afternoon is going to be a crisis in her body and we all need to be praying. Why don't we stand somebody up here right now and let's pray for Kat. Can we do that? You want to stand up, Chris? I love that you were raising your hand wanting to stand. Mel, lead us. Well, I think we should move in close to Chris. And I know it's going to take a minute, but actually, I want you to stand on there. I want us to come. No, step on the floor. Sorry. Come back down to the floor. Can we stand and move close to him? Because I think this As many people as can. And if you can't touch him, touch the person in front of you, because this prayer and this practice is a, some, uh, it's a practice of us realizing how connected we are to each other, that this right here is a movement towards, but yet also that this is a reality that's constantly happening in our world, and for us to realize right now that we are connected, that we are one, and so we stand in proxy for Kat. And this is Kat. This is a beloved young woman who has a 15-month-old baby and wants to live... And she has a tumor in her brain right now that we don't know if it's benign or malignant. Let's let virtue flow right now. I want to say something. Um, I'm very private about my life, but I have a massive brain tumor too. And a year ago, over a thousand people prayed for me. And I'm here today because of that. We don't know what, what the Lord has for her, but prayer does work. However you feel like doing it right now, let's all, from our heart, if you're okay to do it out loud, do it however. Let's pray through Chris to Kat right now and send every ounce of love and God and peace that we have. Our Holy Father, we worship you. We thank you. We praise your holy name. We know that, that you can do anything that you want in this world. We know that, that you work through us just small ways, through beautiful ways every day of our lives. I'm praying for this beloved child of yours. Yes. I'm praying that you will heal her. I'm praying that she'll be able to stand here like you've blessed me with being able to stand. Peace of Christ that passes all understanding ruling Kat's heart right now. Joy that's unspeakable flow, Lord, inside of her. Healing virtue of God. Sweet Christ, let us feel this nexus of love and power. Thank you, God, that we are not calling on the heavens to fall on us, but the heavens, the kingdom is inside of us. Flow through us, even now, Lord, among us, through us. Do works in us, even as the mediums, as the vessels, as the channels. Clean us, purge us, fill us, Lord. May we see, may we see who we are. We thank you, God, that you did not come to put on a show that you might get all the glory 
You came that if so be that we suffer, we shall be glorified together with you. You groan, we groan, the earth groans, and the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us even now with groanings which cannot be uttered. And praise the mind of God. We receive that, we accept that, we celebrate that. We rest our lives in your hands. This cat is out of surgery, Lord. We receive. We rest. We call peace. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works within us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And God's people said, Amen. 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 Amen.